Blog Talk Radio.
Well, good morning. Thank you for taking some time out of your Thursday to tune in to these Life Podcasts. Again, Life Podcast stands for Living in the Fulfilled Eschaton. Surely we're praising God for what he has provided, what we're living in, and we desire to give him all the glory. I do want to apologize this morning that I have a bit of a cold, so I'm eating cough drops and hoping that my voice doesn't sound too nasally so that I will be able to get the details out that I desire to get out this morning for our edification. Amen. So again, thank you for tuning in. I'm Michael Miano. I'm your host. I'm the pastor at the Blue Point Bible Church, director of the Power of Preterism Network, and apologist through MGW Miano Gone Wild Apologetics. What I would like to do at the beginning of our show is bring us into our practice of common prayer. We're in the month of February. February is Black History Month. So in the Book of Common Prayer, especially the one that I'm using, which is the uh, Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals, in this Book of Common Prayer, they have us focusing in on reconciliation, especially in regards to race. Today, our focus is Malcolm X. On February 21st, 1965, Malcolm X was assassinated while delivering a speech in Manhattan's Audubon Ballroom. Malcolm X became a well-known advocate for civil rights after joining the Nation of Islam while in prison. A brilliant, self-educated leader, Malcolm experienced multiple conversions, eventually leaving the Nation of Islam after a pilgrimage to Mecca and committing to overcome racism through an international solidarity movement. Though he was not a Christian, Malcolm X spoke prophetically about the church's complicity in Western culture's sin of racism. Oh Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Us more light about each other, that we might understand enough to love. Psalm chapter 105, verses 1 through 3, as well as Psalm chapter 106, verses 47 through 48 read. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, and speak of all of his marvelous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Hallelujah. Give us more light about each other that we might understand enough to love. Thomas Aquinas, a third century Dominican and doctor of the church, said, Every truth without exception, and whoever may utter it, is from the Holy Spirit. With that, of course, we have in mind the works and words of Malcolm X. I had uh, one of, obviously one of the quotes that Malcolm X is most known for that's always been stimulating to me is by any means necessary, that we must get this truth, we must get this truth out by any means necessary. Malcolm X's life is a testimony to that. I know one of the books that actually spurred my uh, growth, my transition in life was the autobiography of Malcolm X. Maybe later on today, I'll go ahead and do some review of that book share some quotes on social media, and prayerfully inspire myself and inspire you to do something with the truth that we, we have, right? To by any means necessary. And I imagine today's show may further encourage you and edify you in that regard. So with all of that in mind, let's lift up an opening prayer for our discussion. 
Mighty God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for going before us into this podcast that we would speak the words from the Holy Spirit, Lord, that Thomas Aquinas had pointed out, that we would be bold in our declarations. We would be bold in our understandings, Lord, and we would seek to do all that we can with the truth by any means necessary. Of course, gaining some insight and wisdom there from Malcolm X, lifting up prayers for the family of Malcolm X as he was assassinated, and lifting up the prayers for those that are involved in the fight against racism, Lord, that you would empower us, that you would lead us to always speak the truth in love, and that you would lead us to unity, Lord, unity among the races, that we would work together to see the betterment of each other, no matter what race we are. Lord, we thank you for all that you've continued to do. We thank you for the healing. We thank you for the people that you have raised up, Lord, to work in exactly that unity among the races. We thank you for all that has been done, Lord. We thank you for all that you're continuing to do and the minds and hearts of men and women that are committed, Lord, to seeing reconciliation between the races. Thank you, Lord, again, for all things. We give you all our praise and glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So today's topic is confused church history and the 21st century Christian. And I'm going to give some background here. So this week, I've actually begun quite a few talks about preparing for some debates that I will be participating in this year, namely in regards to full preterism and the view of futurism. Now, if you're tuned into this podcast, you know that I believe that we're living in the fulfilled eschaton. We're living past the last days. We are now living in the reality of the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem that has come down from God out of heaven. Of course, this is a spiritual reality, not a life after biological death reality that unfortunately is posited by many Christians. So being that I've been convinced of fulfilled Bible prophecy, otherwise known as full preterism or covenant eschatology, whatever title you want to use, I've had many come up against me and challenge me. And more recently this week, a lot of those discussions bring us back to church history. I'm not a fan of debating church history because I do believe that it's confused. I'm going to show you that here in a moment. So I believe that we should be convinced and convicted, if you will, by Scripture. That we need to gain an Hebraic audience relevance understanding of the Scriptures in their proper context. In the times that it's speaking in the 10th century B.C., we need to understand those writings in 10th century B.C. And of course, illuminated by the Holy Spirit, no doubt about that but we need to understand audience relevance. The 66 books that make up our Bible are found in different times, contexts, and places, written by different authors to different people, dealing with different situations, and must be understood as such. So I pray that today I'll challenge you to do exactly that, to do the digging, to make sure you understand that church history has indeed been confused, and the 21st century Christian's hope is not bent upon reciting creeds and confessions that have been made up by mere men, but instead by searching, studying, proving, exhorting oneself, encouraging and edifying oneself in regards to the scriptures. I love what Martin Luther had said there at the Diet of Worms, that, you know, it's been proven that councils and confessions have erred. I will, I stand here being convinced by nothing other, and I'm paraphrasing, than scripture. Well, amen to that. I want to share with you a couple quotes before I bring us into what I've prepared for us. First quote comes from Jerry Bridges in his book, The Practice of Godliness. He says this, 
Few things are as dishonoring to the cause of Christ as Christians quarreling among themselves. Yet, we expel people from our fellowship for adultery while we tolerate discord between ourselves and other believers. We have failed to understand and obey the biblical imperative to, quote, make every effort to do what leads to peace. Amen. Prayerfully, those that follow my ministry and the debates and discussions that I foster know that I've never intended to be disunifying. Rather, I do not intend to be unifying, you know, a false unity. Rather, I think we should mark out our disagreements and treat each other like men, act like men. There's a scriptural precedent for that. Act like men and allow the truth to flow from us. I had seen this morning somebody posting on social media how Jesus argued with people in a way, debated with people in a way that shut them down. Obviously, none of us are Jesus, so we always feel like we need to have the last word. However, um, you know, we should be doing it in a unifying way. And I believe that debating eschatology is very important. I believe having good theology is very important. And as my call, Titus chapter 1, verse 9, marks out, is to encourage the saints in sound doctrine and to rebuke those who oppose it. I'll be speaking a little bit more about that, actually, at the Blue Point Bible Church this coming Sunday. If you have not had a chance to go ahead and listen to the podcast of this past Sunday's sermon, wherein I spoke about kind words, good speech, um, haratov, um, oh, I'm sorry, lashantov, which is uh, good speech, um, lashan hara would be bad speech. So lashantov, I spoke about that this past Sunday. I do encourage you to go ahead and visit the Blue Point Bible Church podcast. You can either visit the website, bluepointbiblechurch.org, or you can go to Google and put in Blue Point Bible Church Podcast, and a Buzzsprout website will pop up, and you can listen to the podcast through that site. The next quote I want to share with us is actually somebody that I'm setting up to debate, one of the discussions I had this week, with Mr. Sam Frost. Some of you may remember that I debated Sam Frost in 2013. And yes, I am convinced that I totally proved him wrong. Matter of fact, one of the things I'm looking to do in the days coming is to review that debate. And to mark out at least three different places that I proved Sam Frost wrong. And to show you three different places where he proved himself wrong in his attitude and his effort to go against full preterism. Look forward to that. Again, I'll be doing that on YouTube, probably more so on Facebook Live as well. If you have not gone ahead and liked the Facebook pages for MGW Apologetics, the Power of Preterism Network, please go ahead and do so. One of the best ways to keep up and follow all the resources that are being put out through these podcasts, as well as through my blog site and every other area that I've been at work seeking to edify the saints. This is what Sam Frost had to say. The church must receive what is incontrovertible, but reject what raises serious problems in order to work at a solution within its own traditions that best resolves these problems for the sake of maintaining biblical truth even if this means eliminating older paradigms which have created the problem in the first place. There will be, and always have been, cries of heresy from self-proclaimed purists and keepers of the tradition. This is to be expected. But the ever-faithful, and in Luther's case, the faithful few, keep raising the issues and pointing out the hypocrisy, arbitrariness, and inconsistency until such a voice is raised within the Holy Church that the few 
become the many. Well, amen to that, Mr. Sam Frost. I have to say, one of the works that I readily appreciate by Sam Frost is Misplaced Hope. It's said that he's put that on the back burner. And unfortunately, like a dog returns to its vomit, Sam Frost has now become a creedalist. A confused creedalist at that. So you'll be hearing more from me in May 2019 in regards to debating Sam Frost here on Long Island. What I'd like to do, though, is move us a little bit further, give us some clarity. A writing that I regularly turn to when we're trying to understand church church history is Kurt Simmons' writing, The Road Back to Preterism. If you're tuned in and you want to get your hands on that, you can simply go to Google and put The Road Back to Preterism. And up will pop a website, I believe it's Preterist Central, and you can read that entire document online. You can also print it out, of course, which is a lot of times more edifying to our personal study, so we can mark out things in detail. But now, then again, you can do that on the internet by highlighting. So whatever is good for you, but go ahead. Go to the Road Back to Preterism and check it out. Read it. Read through it. Study through it. We did a full study here through the Road Back to Preterism at the Blue Point Bible Church, and I know many were blessed. I just want to share with you a couple quotes. Here we go. The confusion that obtained during the lives of Christ and the apostles was compounded after their deaths. The almost universal martyrdom of disciples under Nero and the Jews left with the with church with few capable of correctly expounding. I'm sorry. The almost universal martyrdom of disciples of Jesus under Nero and the Jews left the church with few capable of correctly expounding upon the eschatology of the kingdom and the coming of Christ. There is great diversity. The picture that emerges in the centuries following the apostolic age is one of great confusion. There is great diversity of opinion concerning the nature of the eschaton among the patristic writers. Their writings betray a fundamental lack of comprehension. They are as men groping in darkness after something they cannot see. He further moves uh, and says, notwithstanding these rather obvious errors that you can find through church history, strands of Christ and the apostles' original preterism were either preserved or recovered and may be clearly identified in the warp and woof of early church eschatology. Eschatology had been the special concern of first century Christians. Obviously, you read your Bible and you see they were expecting with a sincere expectancy something to occur. The Gospels in nearly every epistle assume Christ's imminent return. For example, in James chapter 5, verse 8, Be ye patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws near. But in the centuries following AD 70, the church's attention turned from eschatology to apologetics. And that's important to make notice of. That if you were to do the research in the first three centuries of the Christian church, you were to see that a lot of division, a lot of confusion in regards to eschatological end times, last days things. But what you will see a lot of unity in, you'll see a focus on, is proof of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Great effort was made to show that every detail of Christ's life, his death, his resurrection, was prophesied in the Psalms, the prophets, and the law. The study of eschatology waned as men applied their efforts to more basic doctrines of repentance, of redemption. Ex- examples may be seen in the writings of Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, 
Tertullian, who wrote apologies defending the faith and proving that Jesus was the Christ. This is as it should be. The doctrines of faith and redemption are the most important, and it was natural and desirable that men employed their efforts to establish the fundamentals of the new faith. However, the result was that men's understanding of eschatology and comprehension of the prophetic method and language grew weak and attenuated. A view called Kiliism grew up, Kilia meaning a thousand in the Greek, and it placed a literal construction upon the language of the prophets, asserting that the earth would be wondrously regenerated and Christ would reign for a thousand years. And again, I would urge you to follow that millennial confusion into the Christian church. Premillennial, amillennial, postmillennial, and all the variations within them. One of the more edifying studies that I had seen on the internet on YouTube was A Night of Eschatology. I believe it was Sam Storms, Doug Wilson, oof, I'm forgetting the other names. Um, John Piper was involved. Um, it was a really good video. I do encourage you to go ahead and watch that. These are three Christian preachers, scholars, if you will, completely divided on their understanding of how Bible prophecy applies in regards to the millennium. Yes, they all agree that Jesus will come in his bodily form and he will resurrect the dead at the end of the planet and the planet will be regenerated, which simply proves the point that I just read, that the church's focus went in that direction. And unfortunately, men have established that as the paradigm rather than doing the necessary work to go backwards. The question I want us to answer this morning is what are we to do now that we're living in the fulfilled eschaton? And obviously you see so many debates, we see so many conferences, so many books, so many resources happening. Even here at the Blue Point Bible Church this coming May, May 17th through the 19th, we're focusing on what is next. What's next for the preterist? What should we be doing? What I would offer up in a simple way when we're looking at church history and all the confusion is we would search, study, prove, have an answer, encourage and rebuke, make war. Sounds rough. <laughs> uh, let me explain. Uh, in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, we know that when the apostle Paul preached, that the Bereans that were listening to him, what we know as the noble Bereans, it says they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They listened to the apostle Paul with anticipation and then went to the scriptures and searched the scriptures to see if what the apostle Paul said was true. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be doing this in a way that Isaiah had talked about, precept upon precept, verse upon verse. Doing the necessary study. Matter of fact, this week in reading one of the Jewish parshots, I had come across a uh, phrase from the Jews where they talked about how when they, you know, where there's a little bit of understanding in scripture, you go to another portion of scripture. And I've got the way they said it. Usually what we do in Christian circles is we say, uh, you know, correlating scripture with scripture, scripture interprets, scripture interprets scripture. The parshot had a better way of saying that. It just kind of slipped my mind. So we need to do that. We need to search. We need to have a familiarity with the scriptures. We need to study. We need to study in context, like do the deep thinking of the word. As I mentioned earlier, 66 books, different contexts, different places, different people, different situations. We must study. In 2 Timothy 2.15, we read, study, the study to show yourself approved, the man who does so, rightly dividing the word of truth, which demands audience relevancy, proper context, need not be ashamed. And of course, this is based upon scripture being inspired, which we read about there in 2 Timothy 3.16. I think that's 1 Timothy 3.16. I'm not sure. Let me see. 
we could actually open up the book. Amen. It's a verse that I regularly cite. However, for some reason, it's slipping my mind if it's in. Yes, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished with all good works. Amen. So we need to study, rightly dividing the word, of course, using scripture, not using confessions, creeds, and church doctrines, etc. We need to prove all things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. Hold fast to that which is good. As we go through the study of eschatology, obviously we see time statements. Hold fast to the time statements. They are good. Abstain from that which is wicked. Obviously, distorting men's words and confusion of church history is wicked. Abstain from that. <laughs> have an answer. 1 Peter 3.15, we're supposed to have an answer for the hope that is within us. And I do believe we're supposed to have a reasonable answer, a contextual and reasonable answer to those who ask for the reason of our hope. I urge you to develop that. What can you say about what Jesus Christ has done? What can you say about your hope of eschatology? Is it based upon the scriptures? Is it based upon creeds and confessions or confusion? Encourage and rebuke, as I mentioned earlier, Titus 1.9. The goal of a minister is to, or the role of a minister is to encourage saints in sound doctrine. And we are all called to do that. Encourage the saints in sound doctrine, in good doctrine, palatable, proper, understood doctrine. And rebuke, speak against, speak out, mark out those who oppose it. We are called to do this, saints. And then, of course, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we read about our warfare, that we do not war with flesh and blood. When I'm rebuking flesh and blood, I'm not warring with them. I'm warring with the principality and wickedness that is in high places, spiritual wickedness, carnality that is rampant within our day. That's our job. That's what we need to be doing as we're seeing more and more confusion in regards to church history and the resurrection of the dead, preterism, eschatological events. We need to search, study, prove, have an answer, encourage rebuke, and make war. Amen? I pray that I've convinced you of that. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go into another song. I'm going to give you the phone number for anybody that might like to call in, and then I'll bring our show to a conclusion. The call-in number is 516 516- 387-1717. Again, one more time. 516-387-1717. I'm going to go ahead and play the song, and prayerfully, some of you may consider calling in and maybe giving an encouragement, maybe bringing up an issue with something I may have said. Whatever you feel is appropriate. Please call on in, and I'd love to uh, talk with you a bit.
bring the show to a close as I'm noticing nobody had called in. I do think that maybe a time change will be appropriate for these life podcasts. I'm going to go ahead and put that out on the internet later today. If you're listening, you're tuned in at another point in time and maybe you say 8 o'clock in the morning Eastern is too early um, and you want me to do a time change, please go ahead and send me an email, a Facebook message. You can email me at Pastor Mike Miano, M-I-A-N-O at yahoo.com. And uh, or Miano Gone Wild at yahoo.com. And um, just let me know what you think about the show, maybe some topics, maybe a proper time, uh, whatever you're thinking. I would always love to, uh, I'm always working on and I love to update and prepare better shows for your edification. Amen. So uh, please let me know what you might think. And uh, in closing today, I want to close with a quote from that Road Back to Preterism book. And then, of course, another quote from Sam Frost in regards to this church history, confusion, and all of this. First, from the road back to preterism. The original preterism of Christ and the apostles never perished. Although other schools of interpretation have come and gone, preterism has always remained. Its reemergence as a grassroots movement in the churches of Christ in the mid-20th century was the result of the ministry of Foy E. Wallace Jr., a generation before, and its members' unflinching zeal for the truth. Of course, many of you may be familiar with what came after. That was Max King's amazing book, The Cross and the Parousia. By letting the Bible speak to readers directly, sola scriptura, rather than through the voice of antiquated creeds and confessions, whose utility has long since vanished, the original preterism of the New Testament has been recovered. Today, the truth, long hemmed in by ecclesiastical authorities and tradition, has broken out and promises to sweep the field. Let the enemies of preterism beware. (laughs) And then lastly, um, again, the goal here of this show, living in the fulfilled eschaton, is to talk through the implications and application of a fulfilled worldview. As we're looking at the confusion in church history, prayerfully, it's all too clear that that is not where our answers are going to come from. Our answers must come from the scriptures. Matter of fact, listen to what Sam Frost had said. And of course, this is before his departure from full preterism in writing his rather Frostian book, the uh, Why I Left Full Preterism. This is when he was dealing with more consistent and clear theology. Quote, let me put this another way. If the prior views of Matthew chapter 24 and 2 Peter chapter 3 are seen in light of AD 70, then the logical conclusion is that the resurrection of the dead and the second coming of Christ must also be seen here. However, this logical inference was not deduced previously. In fact, it was not even considered. One of the reasons, perhaps, is that the creeds and the confessions are all unanimous that the second coming and the resurrection of the dead, that is the self-same body in the casket, will one day be reformed and reunited with its soul. This being the case, 
Christian theology has been ingrained with this framework. And it was hard, even for Terry and Russell, to step outside of that framework. And unfortunately, it continues today. Now with men leading in more confusion in that regard by going back and forth, being more confused than ever, changing aspects that the church fathers would have said was related to the resurrection, and then subverting it into meaning something else, because obviously it's not consistent with a biological resurrection of the dead. These are details that I look forward to bringing to you more as I continue to participate in debates and show forth the truth of preterism, because I agree with what Kurt Simmons had said there at the end of his writing. Let the enemies of full preterism beware. <laughs> Thank you for taking some time out of your day to tune into these podcasts. I do pray that you are encouraged, edified, and what I'd like to do before I let you leave our listening broadcast here is just simply end with a prayer and a benediction. Lord, we pray that you would keep us humble enough to learn from those whom we least expect to be our teachers. Help us to listen for your truth, even in the words of our enemies. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders that he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Thank you for tuning in, saints. Go in peace. God bless and enjoy the song. Listen up, listeners. I just ask of you one thing. Please listen to the scriptures that is in this song and go back and study it. Please listen yeah. to them. Write them down. Study uh. it. Let's do it. Here they go again, hating they mad money, they making they feel like I'm taking from their pockets because I'm singing the truth. I'm talking biblical proof. You don't want to hear it. It's true. Hope the spirit's in you so you would understand. Man, I'm sick of man. Look at what they teaching when I turn on TBN. Look at all these heathens speaking about giving, not concerned about true repentance. Look how they living. But you tell me just forget it. Romans 16, listen. Mark those that cause division. 2 Timothy 4, boy, they is decision. Proverbs 28, look at verse 23. He that repeats from more favor than he will flatter speech Come on and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 5 Verse 12, we not supposed to judge outside No, but if they claim to be in the body, we let them have it We do them sharply, that's what God commanded When you speak the whole truth, it's true Everybody gets disappointed, disappointed Don't put your mouth on me to God They say touch, not here's anointing All I hear is cliches, sticking out of context What am I to do? What am I to do, man? Now in the Bible it tells us to rightly divide the word of truth But we can't divide if we don't study to show ourselves approved The scripture is good for doctrine and for reproof Which means if I preach false doctrine it's when corrections used Let's chop it up like vegetables because they destitute They follow wolves thinking everything they pastor said was true Now that's incredible but the leaven they eating isn't edible But that's what they do put man on a pedestal in the pulpit that's preachers who claim to know Jesus But look into the text, that's why James said, woe to you teachers Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation So we must stay accountable, avoid doctrines of Satan No, you don't have to love me The Bereans were more noble because they didn't trust Paul But they went back and studied Now that should be our motto, that's something we should follow So throw away the cliches, please read the Bible When you speak the whole truth, it's true Everybody gets disappointed Don't put your mouth on me to God, they say touch, not here's anointing, not here's anointing. All I hear is cliches, sticking out of context, what am I to do? What am I to do, though? So tell me, should I listen to scripture, yeah. or should I follow you? Here's sheep, notice 
sound of his voice uh, And he ain't got a choice If the father draws them, then he can't resist it And I know it's sickness, so-called Christians twist the scriptures Gotta get a witness what this being said Out of believers ended up dead I'm going against the religion of man So most of these churches don't understand What about, read about martyrs, sons, daughters, mothers, fathers in their life for repping the Christ, we need to go harder, not smarter, with worldly wisdom, ism and schisms, leading this some visions, and eloquent speech to convince them, and I see the way they caught up in emotionalism, listen, but I know we need to go get them, and get them with facts, and we need to preach the whole council, as simple as that, whether in season or not, no, we cannot stop and stop compromising, uh-huh. we need to call them out, need to close their mouth for false prophesying, see the way they be, most churches teach, yeah. they teach it so falsely, uh-huh. and the blind, they lead the blind, and they fall in the pit, cause they can't see, yeah, you speak the whole truth, it's true, everybody gets this. I know a lot of y'all was okay with this song until now. You got people like Creflo Dollar, where we standing at right now, his church preaches nothing but heresy. He preaches not the orthodox view of the Trinity, and he also preaches against Christ's deity. 